Hey guys, Jim Cox, FFG Advisors, Park Avenue Securities, and I'm here today with an interview with Nancy Sherlong. She's a uh, therapist that uses a different kind of approach in terms of dealing with uh, healing and trauma. It's uh, poetry therapy. And um, we had recently connected and wanted to learn more about, you know, the work that she does and maybe some ideas that could help um, people in terms of the healing that uh, we're all trying to go through. So, Nancy, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for asking me, Jim. Awesome. So give us a little bit about your background. Where do you come from and uh, what do you do? Well, originally, way back 30 years ago, I am a writer, and I was an English teacher, and I didn't know exactly how I wanted to use that, so I was uh, using it as a classroom teacher, but I found out about poetry as a way of helping people heal, and that's when I took a little bit of a U-turn and used it in a therapeutic way. So I went to school for a social work degree and a social work license, which I finished Oh, geez, about 23 years ago. And since then, I've been primarily a trauma therapist, working with people who've had all kinds of things happen. Maybe it's a car accident. Um, maybe it's a natural disaster. Maybe it's personal violence, um, surgery, all kinds of things that people consider traumatic. And I use writing and aspects of drama to help people get past uh, the pain of that and sort of rewrite their story. So, I mean, uh, I would I would venture to say that most people don't really consider themselves artists or poets. So, you know, how is it that, you know, kind of an average person is able to implement something like uh, poetry therapy to, to kind of get to a better place? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, it's better if somebody is not uh, trained in a particular art form or even considers themselves good uh, because then they spend their time making a product or evaluating their outcome. So sort of like music therapy or art therapy can be done with people who've never drawn before or never sung before. It's, it's better with writing therapy if people aren't focused on the craft of it. I mean, sometimes people create an amazing product, but that is not the purpose. That's sort of a, a side benefit. So actually, people are going into it um, with the idea that you don't know what the outcome's going to be. It's really kind of just a, an outpouring of what you feel or what you see. Exactly. I mean, sometimes it's guided by prompts or questions that I will ask, uh, but a lot of the literature and trauma research indicates that people feel healing when they've created a more coherent narrative. Trauma is very disorganizing. It changes how we look at ourselves and who it is that we thought that we were. So being able to use writing to reconstruct the story of what happened to us and who we've become after we've lived through what we've lived through is actually the healing part. People don't have to share that story. It's, it's actually a very private experience, and mm -hmm. they could share nothing of what they write and still get a lot of benefit out of the writing. It's uh, interesting because earlier in the week, I, um, when I'm driving around, I have the uh, opportunity to listen to uh, podcasts on uh, 
inside the car, and uh, I stumbled across purely by accident. I, I knew we were going to talk, but I started listening to uh, Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman and um, Song of Myself. And what I found was it really took me to, and I've read Leaves of Grass before, and you know it's kind of hit or miss in terms of different parts that I would like, but um, the experience of listening to it was was much more meditative and and healing. And I just thought that 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 effect of poetry in terms of hearing somebody express um, kind of intimate thoughts and, like you said, reorganization of ideas in ways that maybe we normally didn't think about was uh, was really impressive. Yeah, you bring up a really great point. Um, you know, the, the term poetry therapy is probably a little confusing because most people might not have a positive connection with the word poetry. They might yeah. think it's something they don't understand, right, or something that's, like, inaccessible or that they didn't get when they were in school. And so there's three different levels to, to work out. One could just be listening, so that's the receptive part. And we all know that literature can be therapeutic just by the fact that we pick up a book sometimes when we're feeling a certain way and someone else's story shifts that emotion. So you don't even have to write to experience the therapeutic benefits that literature can contain. And then another piece is the expressive, so that could be writing or art making. And literature and all the art are also symbolic and ceremonial. It's hard to find a wedding or a mass or a memorial service without hearing some aspect of poetry or a reading because we infuse those types of events with literature that has meaning for us. So we do it in our daily lives, but sometimes in the aftermath of a crisis, somebody might be helped by having a professional guide them through that process and use what they might naturally do anyway in a deeper sense to provide more healing after a crisis or a trauma. Mm -hmm. What's what's the third aspect? You mentioned there's three aspects. Oh, yes, yeah, so a receptive, expressive, and the symbolic or the symbolic. ceremonial. So mm. It's just a ritualistic way that we all mark events with art or with music or with dance or with writing. So these are just natural inclinations that we have, but when you have the help of a professional, you can guide somebody a little bit faster, sometimes deeper on their path to feeling better. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I um I know that um, when I was in my I guess in my twenties after college, um, I'd done a lot of journaling, and in that process of journaling, I ended up doing a lot of poetry. And um, when we recently moved, I found that uh, that poetry, those books, and. Honestly, it took me to a place, a darker place from back then that uh -huh. I found uh, so painful that I actually had to throw them away. I could not you know I could not bear to go back through what I had written before. Oh. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, in, in the therapeutic use of journaling in, in particular, we have people reread what they've written and give themselves a reflection mm -hmm. or like an Right. Um, there's a place where I got my training, the Center for Journal Therapy, and Kay Adams, one of her methods 
is that reflection right? And the idea is that step back or that insight sometimes contains the healing because sometimes the direct writing is very painful. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if you had had, say, in the margins, um, your reflections or your insights, whether or not rereading those would have been a painful dive into the pool or if that would have almost been the souvenirs or the kind of nuggets that you got from the journey of the pain. Because I agree with you, revisiting pain for the sake of it would not necessarily be useful at all. It's yeah. something that most of us don't want to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it was interesting because it really took me back to that specific period of time. And, and but what I, you know, what I found was, I mean, the, the journaling itself and the poetry itself, the writing and being able to kind of express um, things in a language format was um, really healing and really added to my personal growth. But it's just, uh, you know, I obviously had moved beyond that point. Yeah, yeah, I understand. So seeing the feelings again took you back to that time again, and that's not something you were looking to experience. Yeah. You know, one of the, um, I had actually read an article recently that um, children are, um, there's an expectation that uh, children are going to be more prone to depression and other issues because of what's developing in terms of the climate crisis and so forth, and um you know, instead of medicating, um, I would think that dealing with things through a, an aspect of writing like this would be more helpful than, let's say, pharmaceutical medication. Yeah, I guess that's always tricky, right? Because I, I have a foot in the Eastern and the Western world. I do a lot of holistic and natural practices, and when necessary, I do refer people to somebody for medication. So I think it depends on where the problem is coming from, but I always, in my work, want to empower people to have as many tools at their disposal as possible. So that might be nutrition and having access to good food or coping skills and having access to apps on the phone that are free that help with meditation. So there's so much that we have access to, but I, I do think that medication can have a role for certain people if the problem is of a chemical nature or it's just so severe that self-help approaches don't work. Well, I was thinking more in terms of the, you know, just the um, overall environmental situation and, you know, in terms of a lack of hope, I guess, and what can be done in terms of, I guess, drawing people together. Yeah, I mean, community is a great reason for the arts to be helpful. I've seen many people through the community of a classroom or a community center or a group that you assemble. People can write on a particular topic like climate change. Um, I facilitated some groups after 9-11 about how people felt impacted mm. about 9-11. And most of them weren't directly on the scene of Ground Zero, but they had things that they needed to express. And so these were sort of ways of debriefing in a group format and creating a community around expressing things that people might otherwise have kept inside. So I think to do that with climate change and the environment and the powerlessness that, that most of us feel about not being able to do anything about it, I think it could be really helpful to enact that energy. 
So if somebody's dealing with a particular issue of, of trauma or, or um, stress, is there a, are there a couple of um, kind of generic prompts that can direct them to start expressing themselves? Well, I guess I would differentiate between trauma and stress for the fact uh-huh. that if someone really has trauma, I think that they need the help of a professional um, just because there's so many types of trauma, but in terms of, you know, just managing our garden variety stress, for example, I use a particular writing ritual when I'm getting ready to go to sleep, uh, where I write for five minutes, whatever's on my mind that's getting in the way, and doing this actually frees my mind up to sleep, and I don't do it on a tablet or a computer um, because of the LED waking up my my frontal lobe and making my brain go online, so to speak, I use paper and, and a pen. And I actually have a lighted pen by my bedside table in case I wake up with anything that I want to write down. And I write a phrase or a word. I don't write a sentence because that takes my brain into story and story wakes us up. Mm. I have all these rules for sleep hygiene. And maybe it sounds kind of crazy, but sleep is a third of life. It's a huge building block to wellness and to health and longevity. So I use writing practices even in my sleep routine so that I can sort of empty my brain and get that rest that I'm looking for where you wake up and you really feel refreshed. Wow, that's good. Uh, I would imagine from a standpoint of um, does that help in terms of dreaming and uh, dealing with with, um, resolving issues during the dreaming process? It's interesting you ask that. I have a couple of friends who analyze dreams. I don't have that training per se, but what they say to do is that when you wake up, to give the dream a title. Um, And often a title is enough of an anchor for the dreamer to hold on to, Hmm. to tap into the story the next day. Because again, if we write too much of the story, it brings you out of the sleep and wakes you up and puts you in a different consciousness state. So everybody might have a different opinion about this, but the folks that I know who do dream analysis really feel like titling it or just giving it like a tag uh, is enough in terms of being able to unpack it in the morning and then try to figure out what, what happened and what it was about. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I have an issue of, I, I just can't remember them at all. I mean, literally I'll wake up and uh, the memory is just is just gone, so... I don't know yeah, if I would have the uh, ability to even tag uh, a dream with a with a name. But were you thinking like, would people change what they dream about based on what they write about before yeah. they sleep? Yeah, I yeah. mean, in terms of, uh, I guess maybe directed um, healing or dealing with with issues that maybe people are struggling with, whether it's like abuse issues or um, just different kind of stresses to kind of direct um, dreaming in a way that instead of being restless or, you know, just disturbed, that it's it's able to kind of resolve some of the conflicts that people are dealing with? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't have a, an answer per se. I just do know that the more relaxed state we tend to go to sleep in, it does impact our dreams. And, and dreaming is an active part of life. It's a way of the nervous system working things out. So I know frightening dreams are scary to people, but sometimes they're a necessary part 
of the nervous system's completing its healing. So mm. I, if I was working with somebody, if they had access to remembering those dreams, I would want to work with them more than sort of make them go away. And if they don't have access to those dreams, I would be working on their sleep hygiene so that that time and place of sort of letting your guard down is as peaceful as possible. And for some people, I've written a meditation that's just for them or affirmations that are just for them. And they might revisit those at the time of sleep to kind of put themselves in that mindset to remind themselves that they're safe right now or that it's okay to relax right now. Because our brain, I mean, it's hardwired to be aware and awake. So getting our brain to be able to relax, to go to sleep, sometimes takes practice that none of us were ever taught. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are life skills that we, that obviously we need to be taught at a, a younger age to be able to deal with the things that we're dealing with, and it's just been pushed out. Um, one of the uh, connections um, be- be- with poetry is um, what I, especially when I had the experience recently with Walt Whitman, was this conne- kind of connection to spirituality and um, obviously looking deeper within oneself. Um, do you find that doing this kind of poetry therapy that people uh, tend to explore that kind of spiritual space in a, in a positive way? That's a great question, too. Um, I would say yes. I think all of the arts, uh, but I guess mine is primarily the writing and the drama, but all of them invite the creative imagination, which the beautiful thing about that is you don't have to stick to the literal details of your life. You could make up things that aren't true or imagine a superhero quality or a fantastical thing in another realm. And I think once people start to open their consciousness, other types of consciousness opens as well. So everyone's different, right, how they frame spirituality. But for many people, it's what else is there or what's after this or what are the other worlds that are connected to this one. And I think the more you do creative and associational thinking, those kinds of thoughts do start to drop in. And creativity is a real part of, of our wellness when we're rigid and we don't have ideas outside of a particular situation, we feel stuck. Yeah. And waking up that creativity is just like a life force for people. It's amazing what happens. Yeah, I mean, the ability to create really a like a new mythology for yourself is, is empowering. Exactly. Um... If somebody wanted to get started in this process, what would they? What, how could they uh, learn more about uh, the work that you do? Oh, sure. Um, well, there's actually a federation. Um, it's called the International Federation of Biblio Poetry Therapy, and it's for shorter reference, ifbpt.org, um, and that has a list of practitioners that are certified around the country and around the world. Uh, There are ways to work with people virtually if it's not a therapy issue, but it's more like coaching. And there's people who have offices that you can walk straight into. I'm based in New York uh, State in two different places. I'm in Mount Kisco, uh, Westchester County, and in New Paltz in Ulster County. And I live and work in Connecticut, so I'm in Norwalk and Ridgefield. But I do work with people all over the globe in this work, training them, and giving workshops. It's been the lifebread of my work for the last 
30 years, and I love it. Is there a, um, I'm just curious, is there like a, uh, a way to augment a school's curriculum to kind of um, inject this kind of um, poetry therapy into uh, the classroom? Well, it's a great idea. Um, a lot of schools have something they call a poet in the schools, and that's more from the artist end. So a local writer might come into, it's usually elementary, but sometimes subtle schools, and do some writing with the kids that's of a social, emotional nature. Uh, to get it in the curriculum, I think would be amazing. Most of the schools are so slammed with teaching the core curriculum that this is something that's not quite making it into a requirement, but I've definitely seen it in lots of after-school programs, um, enrichment programs, but just not necessarily part of the curriculum. I would love that, though. That yeah, I'm just thinking of, like, all the issues that, um, I mean, how many how many kids are dealing with issues at home and um, that, uh, obviously, they don't know how to deal with, and, you know, this might be a way to help um, sort that stuff out and really there there aren't those ways to express it otherwise. I mean some of the folks that we've trained over the years are classroom teachers and I think they become a beacon of that information in their community mm -hmm. and certainly to their school. Um, if it were something that were more widely taught I think there's tremendous value to it. I've done workshops for schools as an in-service um, did one in Connecticut about being 13 and kind of helping kids with that in-between stage. And we had, it was actually a really neat workshop. We had a day of planning our writing, a day of practicing performing, and then a day of an auditorium performance from one grade to another. And the administration came, and it was really empowering. Every single person did something. Even a child who didn't want to read their own work assigned a reader to read it, and every child, whether they thought they could or couldn't write, produced a piece of work that day about being 13. It was a really wow. cool event. So, yeah, a lot of times, like, a PTA might have funding to do a special program that's still within the school, but outside of the classroom curriculum. That's awesome. Um, if somebody wants to uh, talk to you or learn more, uh, do you have a website? Do you have an email that you could provide? Oh, absolutely. Um, the name of my business is Change Your Narrative because I think I help people change the story that they're telling themselves or change the story you're telling each other. So if you type in changeyournarrativetherapy.com, you'll come up with my business, and that has my phone number, and you can write me um, at my email there as well. So that's probably the best central place to get me. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat today and to kind of share your insights and uh, just give us additional food for thought in terms of uh, how we can all heal. Absolutely. It was great. And I'm really happy that we met each other and that you invited me. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye.